I'll say they dropped the bomb, Coach. I'll say they did, eh? Big time. What did Coach have to say about it? He must have had some stirring comments. Yeah, the same ones he said last week <laughs> and four days ago and two weeks ago. Well, here they are. Much longer unless the team plays much better soon? No, I don't, I don't think about those things. Again, I try to stay right where we are right now. Um, again, you know, how, how we played good football this week against the Giants. You know, how do we fix some of the things that, that we got going on right now? You know, that's where my, my focus is, and that's where, where I'll be, you know, obviously the rest of this week. That's inspirational. Happy New Year. Here we are high atop the west side at Cherry Hill in the boardrooms at Grimley Financial. For all things cash flow related, Coach, how you doing? You have a good New Year? Not bad. Very quiet, to be honest good. with you. Well, quiet's good. Bud, saw you a little bit over the New Year. Yeah. Oh, it was very good. Nice very family good. dinner. Yeah, it's good. Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, nice to have you on board. Uh, we'll talk about drop a bomb on me. Wow, holy Toledo. But before we react to that bomb, we'll go back to that in a second. I'm going to give you a multiple choice here today. Start the New Year off with variety. Okay, isn't that nice? And uh, our listeners, uh, thank you for everything. You may want to jot down a couple, just a little, some notes here, because I'd like you to play along here, okay? So, drop a bomb on me. So, the biggest bomb, of course, would be the the Eagles' loss to uh, putrid Arizona, who talk about getting out-coached. Boy, did Gannon come into town, out-coach, and we're going to talk about the onside kick, because there's a lot more in that onside kick than, than people thought. But back to the biggest the Eagles lose to lowly Arizona would be everybody's first choice. How about Alabama center Seth McLaughlin couldn't snap the ball in the shotgun on 85% of his snaps? How about that one? How about Arizona's Gannon making a virtually unprecedented uh, decision to onside kick to preserve clock. Not to get the ball. He knew his chances were only 9%. But to cut the field in half. So when the Eagles did kick their ultimate field goal, which they did, he would have clock left. Unprecedented. No one's ever seen it done in the NFL before. Or that Alabama had 11 plays for negative yardage against Michigan, or that Texas, with 40 seconds left and no timeouts, 40 seconds, no timeouts, they're going to run the clock down to 10, actually had four plays from the 22-yard line. How did that bomb happen? We'll explain that later on. Talk about that. Or how about this, that Detroit and that crazy coach Campbell goes for two-point conversion several times and gets it and then has it taken away from him. And the decision-making, as woeful as it was, that went into that, you know, robbery of, of, of the win. 
which completely... Yeah, I'd like to get into that. We'll get into more. that. Yeah. And last but not least, the Braves... And this, this, I'm going to tip my hand. This could be my bomb. The Braves trade a five-tool 22-year-old player in, in, in Grissom for a 34-year-old beat-up, washed-up, broken-arm Chris Sale. All right, Coach, we're going to let you go first. Give me your give me your top bomb out of the group. Well, that's a big one last one you just did because Sale has had so many injuries and this and that, and Grissom projected the last couple of years but to be part. you still have to pick the top one. That's pretty tough on this short notice. That's why you're here. <laughs> and we're here, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just can't get away from the Eagles. Eagles. What? It's just in my mind. I, I think I'd go with the Lions, Lions. Cowboys referee call. Okay. Why do you? We'll go. We'll promise you we're, we're flying back to Eagles. No doubt about that. We have a lot to say, but let's pick up with that then. Let's pick up with your bomb. And my, yeah, I mean, mine would be the Braves. What happened? I, I could not absorb the news. I sent it out to everybody. I was back and forth, but Boa, I could not believe what I read and saw on the little crawl at the bottom. I, I, I had to re-look up Marcus Griffith. I, I knew his numbers were like 333 last year, and he's 22. He's got all five tools. And a little question, shortstop, but he, he could be playing second base. And I knew Sale was like in his 30s, but I know he's 34, and I looked up his last three ERAs, or like, you know, eight, nine, and I just can't, couldn't believe it. But anyway, we'll go back to uh, to Bud well, here and start with, uh, start with Detroit. Yeah, so Detroit was going for a two-point conversion to win the game against Dallas. Uh, would have been a 21-20 lead, and they got the two-point conversion until it was called back uh, when the referee, last name of Allen, said, called it basically called a um, illegal formation and an ineligible receiver. So the receiver, the receiver who called the ball is the left tackle, uh, and you have to declare yourself eligible. And the referee, Allen, said that he didn't do that. And then because he didn't do that, that also meant that the other tackle, Dan Skipper, was in an illegal formation. Uh, basically, what happened was Decker, the tackle, said that he told the referee he was reporting as eligible. Um, and the other tackle, Skipper, said that he didn't speak to the referee. And if that was all true, then Decker was an eligible receiver Skipper was lined up in a legal formation, and the two-point conversion uh, would have been fine, and there would have been no flag. As is, though, the referee basically said, got confused, Reports or said, to Dallas wrong. Said, hey, uh, to the yeah, to Dallas wrong about which guy actually talked to him and stuff. But if you watch the videos, all three of them go up to him. I think it was Skipper that goes up to him, number seventy, I think, late, yes, yes, and didn't yes, actually yes, yes. say something to him, right. But which, he's close. Which he wouldn't have to, though, if right. he was um, he wasn't reporting eligible. He wouldn't have to go up to him. So basically, what the NFL is, what the rumors are, the NFL is saying is they're not blaming um, themselves. They're not blaming the referees. The NFL is blaming the Lions for over, for camouflage for, for like a camouflaging it. Yeah, good explanation, um, bud. Good explanation. Very good. And still, I guess the only question thing, and maybe this is a question more for someone who's a little more familiar with the rules than I am, but if the why is Dan Skipper, the other tackle, not the receiver on the play? Why is he going up to the referee at all? <laughs> well, if I, he's not el reporting eligible, why is, is unless he wanted to report eligible to get the defense off guard? This is good. This but is I, good. I, it's the only thing I 
I don't know. If you so get I'm another not, podcast, I'm sure, I'm sure there's someone who who knows. But if I, I, if I you get know. another podcast in the country that dives into as deep on this players, we're about to do it. I think we'll be right at the end of this thing. Although it's it's a lot to unpack. I'll tell you that before you go, Coach. Because I, I want to get you on on this. The one thing that Chad forgot that and very very uh, very good uh, succinct review of that was that Campbell before the game and and, and this is usual and customary gets to the refs and says, listen, here's my trick play package, okay? Uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, we used to do that in some of the softball finals, too, about the fake bunts and all that stuff like that. Just the umpire would have awareness. Was, so he's not, you know, befuddled by it. And he tells them what they're going to do. And then during the game, the guy you're talking about, Decker, is eligible throughout the game. So now Detroit decides to add the element of surprise by putting three, we used to call them fat guys, out there, okay, around the ref. The ref sees all this and then grabs from that the wrong guy and reports it to Dallas. And then everything, all the chaos follows. That's how we see it. Uh, And now for the NFL to turn around and exonerate the crew when they reported the wrong guy because he never did check in, and two guys, to be clear, cannot report as eligible on the play. Uh, so we add that element of clarity to it. Coach? Well, if you remember, and it's really good, that Campbell did warn them ahead, and his words were, if it gets down to it, I'm going for the win and not a tie. So right. they should have been. And here's another thing with number 70 coming out. The official Allen was already there with 68 and another player. He never looked at 70. He was taking a stride. And if you remember, he said, come back and said there were two fouls on that play. Number 68 did not report, and that number 70 was not covered. Well, it winds up where number 70, he came in and played guard on that play, so he automatically is not eligible, so that does not pertain to the play at all. And when you look at him go, bud. And when you see seventy coming on, the referee has already made a stride to go tell Dallas who the eligible receiver is. And sixty-eight was right in front of him and another player. And sixty-eight said to him, probably let's see, said twice before in the game, "I'm reporting eligible." And now when sixty-eight got interviewed later, he said, "I don't want to cause any fuss, but I did exactly what the coach told me to do." which you read between the lines is you just make sure you report. That's why Camel was screaming so much yeah, at the end is yeah. what to say, I told you that and this and that. So the official, I don't think you'll see that group working in the playoffs, and he covered their butt. Well, it's a mixed crew in the playoffs just to keep everything yeah, on point. Yeah. It's a mixed crew, not the same crew. Well, I don't yeah. think you'll see Allen there because I, I, I think I he's stone out lied because I think 68. Well, nice job, guys. Nice 68 job. was right there in Allen's face when 70 was yeah. still 10 yards away if everything we said god bless us all is accurate we just did a really nice job on unwinding that thing because i didn't hear espn or any show do what we just did we all researched it obviously and i think that's exactly how it went down uh and look at the cost factor of the whole thing oh big big you're talking the nfl home field and everything that goes with it i mean it's unbelievable what the impact was uh, so that was uh, that was Chad's biggest bomb. Uh, yours was still the Eagles. We're going to hold you last because that's going to segue into the Eagle conversation. And mine, of course, was the uh, the trade 
Uh, you're talking about a kid who's 22 years old, all right, that last year the, uh, the Braves thought could start and replace Swanson. And this is a kid in the minor leagues that bats like 360, 330. His minor league average is three years, like 340. He's got 40 stolen base ability. He's got a rocket for an arm. A little suspect, but so young. I mean, who is it at 21 years old in the minors? This guy can be a generational 12, 15-year player. How the hell do you trade for Chris broken down, old time? I can't throw more than 50 pitches before I complain of a bad elbow. Sale. What, what guys? Could what they, the could, hell am I missing here? Could the Braves consider that with RC at shortstop, what they're happy with, and the rest of their infield being fairly young, and the outfield with Harris and and you know, Acuna and this and that, we have no place for him. They came into Philly and lost to us twice. They can't come in next year and win. They're psychologically disadvantaged. They're crippled. They got to come in with a massive upgrade. So if you're not able to acquire the pitching vis-a-vis free agency, which it looks like that that ship sailed, then what do you have to do, guys? You have to outperform your fair to midland pitching by having a six-run offense. That's not Arcia. That's Grissom. If you put Grissom in and do the lineup. Catcher included. You know, we could do the lineup here, right? We know everybody. We, we know the catcher. We know everybody. All nine guys hit. There's not one weak bat in the entire lineup. RC is your weak link, and it, and, and it, it surfaced in the playoffs. So, in my opinion, the Braves had to come back to you with offense to beat you because they're not going to fix their pitching. Sales not the answer in the number three or four spot. And they're, other than Strider, it, it's a you know it's a Ouija board and a rabbit's tail, right? For well, the if pitching. you read between the lines too, Nola was their list. They, oh, that was it. They wanted Strider Nola. Oh, so absolutely. Besides that, and that Kyle Wright from two years ago, they traded him, yep, had yep, the arm yep. problem. Charlie Morton's getting older. You would think they would not be going after, unless maybe in the back of my mind, do they have such a great farm system that Grissom can no, re- replace? No, 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 no. I'm intimate with their farm system. They've okay. gutted it. They did, and they're all up now. Yeah, no, that, that Harris was in the farm. Grissom was in the farm, yeah. Uh, just shocking when I saw it. I couldn't wait to text Boa the second I saw it. And what Boa's response was, he's always going to be polite, you know, Bo. And he said that, you know, Sale can, I'm paraphrasing here, Sale can still get major league hitters out. Naturally, his question is, uh, his health is a big, and he put question mark. You know, we shall see. Very diplomatic, okay? Uh, well, my pushback to that would have been, respectfully, Sale isn't getting hitters out because he's not on the mound. You can't get hitters out if you're not on the mound for 200 innings, right, guys? I just was apoplectic. That and if Sale was a right-hander, that wouldn't have been taken. Sale is yeah, like exactly. a very yeah, poor yeah. man's Josh Hader, yeah, yeah, yeah. for lack of better uh, words. Very good. Thinking very that good. way, you know? Yeah, well, the Braves want to— What do you do? Eat your friggin' Wheaties here? I mean, you're good in 2023, but— it looks like new and improved at 24. You're right, Harry. I'll be choking. The Braves are looking for a left-handed pitcher that's going to come into Citizens Bank Park and you know try to get Harper out, Schwarber out. When? In the playoffs? Yeah, that's what he they're hoping for. He won't be there, bud. Right, well, that's what they're hoping for. 
That and means he so, pitched 200 innings, bud. Do you have him in front of you? Yeah, I Sale? do. Yeah, I know. He doesn't He doesn't play. He pitched 100 he innings last play. year. He was out all 2022. He pitched five innings. In it's, 2021, he pitched 40 innings. Come on. No, he doesn't He doesn't play. Um, I guess 2021 was the, was the shortened season. But he got rid of Grissom. Yeah, he doesn't. Is there a slight possibility that Grissom might have been a problem in the clubhouse? He thinks he should be playing well, more. The, the I don't Braves know. are saying we don't need Grissom offensively. They stole the best offense in baseball last year. We want to win a World Series, and we got to beat Philly. We got to beat Philly. We need a lefty. All right, fine. That's, but that's don't you want to get more than Chris Sale? Thank I would you, think. I would you. think they could have. I would think they could have. But I, I don't know. This could no. be our biggest bomb. I may be on the right one because I don't know that any other subject's going to get this reaction. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the the Braves have a good trade here. Chris Sale is old and washed up. But that's their logic: is let's get a lefty in here. Yeah, I don't think that you know a guy like Harper would struggle against Chris Sale in his current state. Um, but he strikes. He still strikes out a lot yeah, of he guys. Strikes I mean, out guys. He Chris Sale is the all time strikeout per nine yeah. leader. What the guy the, what, has a history he, of striking people out. But for the li- little bit that he pitched last uh, year, you know where I'm going with this. Give me his K per nine, buddy. Last year, I'm going to guess it was about eight, nine, not like ten. We'll uh, see. It was eleven last year. Uh, eleven. Okay. What was like last three before that? It was eleven, eleven, eleven type thing. 2022 was eight. Only pitched five innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that was eleven, then thirteen. Yeah, it's a strikeout pitcher. Yeah, and it was eleven last year. So the Braves are pouncing on the 100 innings, was it, last year that he pitched? The Braves are saying he's back. And they're saying, we're ahead of you, Chuck. We, our doctors, our medical staff says, sales ready to come back and throw 180, 220 innings. And if he does that, he's going to strike out 240, and he's going to be an absolute nightmare as a lefty. God bless you, Braves. Well, maybe God their thought you, process is to use him at the end of the game, but they don't have enough upfront no, pitching to be thinking that no, way. No, no, no. Let's talk Eagles football. That was your bomb. Defend it. I'm with you on it. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's a, I made up a little phrase, and don't take it in the wrong connotation. It's T-I-T. It's for team in turmoil. Yeah. And they definitely are. And I think there's a whole lot more things going on behind where, like, Brown won't speak after the games. Smith, Reddick, he doesn't want to speak. He has lost the clubhouse, I think. Barrett Brooks put it great. Yes, I looked at last night, Eagles Huddle. He said to uh, Amy Fadoy, he said, I've been drinking the Kool Aid for 17 weeks. He said, It's done. I, I was completely fooled, you know, and he was a big praiser all year long, and just that they've given up on it. Yeah. Well, the one thing that this podcast was consistent about, and Chad and I went at it really good last week. That was fun, but I, we got a lot of good feedback on that. It's good to hear you guys fight. <laughs> uh, the point differential, which, by the way, anecdotally, I found something after that. Of course, Chuck couldn't wait to get out to his car and do more research on point differential after last week, and I found out, guess what? Point differential. More reliable than number one seed. Wow. How about that? Last 50 years. More reliable than the number one seed. Just take your top point differential as a predictor, and it'll give you a better ratio, reliance, than your number one seed. So the Eagles have not had point differential all year long. And how many games did they win where they got out yarded by 120 yards? Comes back to haunt them. Right? So they really never were the team that their record suggested they were. And it gives a little bit more credence to Chad three, four weeks ago using the word lucky because it applies a lot more right about now. So the point differential, when we were looking at it a few weeks ago, really it's it kind of showed the Eagles, you know, it showed they weren't as good as the record indicated. And um, 
it kind of suggested they were going to lose or not play as good because in some of these games, because they haven't been all that good all throughout the year. And that's kind of what we're seeing the past few weeks, just sloppiness. I mean, they could have turned it around, of course, but they didn't. It just got worse and worse. Here's a stat, man. Uh, I said it to Bud. I don't know if he has it up there on the grid, on the deck, but there's a stat, and it's in my phone. It shows that the Eagles were number one last year in passing yardage uh, or total yards allowed against them, number one. And the last five weeks, they're 30th. Now, we understand there's been injuries. There is every year, right, to the defensive backs and all that stuff. But that's par for the course. They added the guys from Georgia, which everybody said it was unfair that the NFL would somehow allow the Eagles to get Georgia's best defensive players. How did – and I understand the Eagles don't focus on linebackers. That's, that's, that's old, old editorial. How did the Eagles – let's just use metaphorically – how did the Eagles go from first to last on defense? I speak of last in the last five games. They played the tougher teams, the true test. You don't see that. That's unprecedented. You don't see a team do a 180. Something glaring must be happening defensively. Is it the lack of linebacker? I mean, when you look at the linebacker's number of tackles, after the, it's always a linebacker that's got the 12 tackles. What is it? What am I missing? Is well, it the guys can't cover a lick in the backfield? They have a lot of injuries, right? I just think, you know, with their lack of sacks this year, and I might be repeating myself a little bit from a couple of weeks ago, but they're rushing for 90% of the time. They're not big blitzing. Well, the offensive team has five blockers yeah, and keeps a tight end in there. at six. So then you've also got to think that they started this year, or most of the year, Losing six starters from last year on defense. Okay, you got your, your middle lineman Hargraves with, the, and you've got Kaiser White and and Edwards, the two linebackers. Uh, what's the guy with the two names uh, from yeah, last year? The back guy, Gardner Johnson, Gardner Johnson, and then, yeah. and then you're missing the Epps who left the safety, and Maddox wasn't out there most of the year. So right. there's six right there, and then Morrow and Cunningham both get hurt. So you're bringing in Shaq Leonard. And a guy was never drafted, uh, Ben Van Sumeren. So you yeah. just have a lack of talent. So I don't think they're blitzing much because they're per- trying to protect. They're such a weak defense from the linebacker back. Right, right. But they last time we looked at it, bud, they were third in hurries to the quarterback. I'd have to pull it up. Yeah, they were way down in sacks, but third in hurries. I mean, they're still putting pressure, but clearly not at the rate that they were, you know, with the sacks where people are starting to lose their mind in comparing to the 80, 85, was it, Bears, uh, which no team will ever resemble. Eagles are tied for second in hurries. Yeah, so there's the pressure. And I'm telling you, Coach, it's a mystery. I've tried to just dive in and get one thing. It's, of course, it's never one thing, right? Body of work is in evidence is never that easy. Otherwise, figuring out the answer would be easy. But how, how do they go to last from first? Well, I think everybody can see the defense. The Eagles' offense does not change, so you're getting the quarterbacks. The thing is, you can get that 8-10 yard pass down there. Yeah. Just release it a little bit quicker. Don't be looking downfield 30 yards because you're going to be able to get everything underneath, and they have done that. Yeah, so when, you're, when your defense stinks, now 
obviously the other team we did talk about this last week has the ball longer time of possession. I think with Arizona is forty to twenty. Yes, just about within twenty three seconds, two to one. Yeah. As prop bets go, what would the prop bet have been worth if Vegas published that Arizona is going to have the ball two to one? What would that baby have paid? Oh, big up, retire on that one, right? And yeah. yet it happened that Arizona was going to rush for two hundred yards. The Eagles were stone cold first against the rush six weeks ago at 63 yards per game. And the last five games, they're averaging 170. And I got right. to think Gannon really definitely outcoached Nick oh, big boy, time. Did he, ever. he knew the tendencies. He knew the plays and watched the, since he's left last year where they haven't changed the offense one little bit. And he played it for it. And then Connors was just writing six, seven yards a carry, and in, and that's against supposedly a pretty strong. But they're on the field so long, those kids. Yep, yep, yep. They're getting a little more, more tired when you weigh 330 yep, yep, and everything, yep, and that's right. when you see the second string. How uh, about the disarray on offense? Uh, oh. Trying to run plays, and they're throwing a ball in the backfield, and then they couldn't, couldn't get the plays off. It looked like yeah. the Keystone Cops at the end. Well, sure, it winds up. They have no timeouts, and that's yeah. so big. They have a couple timeouts at the end where Andy Reid Andy Reid would be so proud. Huh. Yeah, man, dear Bud, what's 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 up, man? Do you see this? Well, uh, the if you look into the numbers, third down conversion, the Eagles' defense has given up uh, per successful conversion forty six point six percent of the time. That's the third highest in the NFL, only check. behind the Cardinals and the Seahawks. On fourth down, they're ninth worst. Um, ninth highest at fifty, almost fifty six percent, and that can be maybe a little confusing. The Lions are ahead of them. Yeah, there's not a ton of fourth down uh, attempts. Yeah, but but teams have gone for it against the Eagles, you know, more than anyone. Uh, red except our second most, and then red zone percentage. Eagles are the second highest. That's probably the biggest factor. Mm-hmm. They're at sixty eight percent. Um, the opposing team is successful in the red zone. Um, that means scoring a touchdown. Team reaches the red zone and scores a touchdown 68% of the time. That's big. Man. That's really high. That's really, yeah. really high. So that, that's a huge problem. If you're not stopping teams in the red zone, you don't have guys who are going to make those plays, then you can't be giving up those touchdowns. You and should I'll, be having that average red zone percentage for the most teams. It's like 54, 55%. We right. were at 68%. All right, so we have given the answers as to where there really is no puzzle. I stand corrected. It's here you go. And Slay's been out a few weeks, and Bradbury's lost a step. So you're talking maybe eight different players. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, too, you know, we're not intercepting the ball. We have eight interceptions this year. Right. That's 26th in the NFL. Right. Right. So our defense, you know, our opposing quarterback rating is 98. That's fourth highest. Right. So the quarterbacks are looking fantastic out there against us. And we're, yeah, we're, we're bringing some pressure. But when they are, we're not bringing enough to account for the fact that our. Once that ball is in the air, our defense is not doing anything. Right. So uh, not doing anything. So sack wise, we just quite suck. <laughs> we're well, getting there. We're not getting there. Our, against the Cardinals, Carter was charged with one sack. When you watch the replay, he just actually brushed by the guy. He didn't really cause yeah. somebody else on the other side caused the sack. But so does this team pick themselves off uh, the carpet and and I mean. Uh, I'm not a defeatist. I don't think so. There's no. too many things, and I think there's a lot of things that are going to come out eventually yeah. that these guys don't want to say now yeah. while they're still playing. Right. So uh, Brown is foreshadowing all the things he could say. 
right? You yeah. talk about losing the clubhouse. We could check that box, right? That that chip sale too. Yeah, Brown, That's Smith, obvious. Reddick. They they're not talking, and I know it's not identical culture and how culture plays and manifests. But could you imagine? Picture this. You got to picture this. Bryce Harper sits in the dugout by himself, doesn't talk to anybody, doesn't talk to anybody after the game. He's just totally, you know, malcontent. And and that's what you're looking at in the Phillies, and it's visible to everybody with, a, with one of your superstars. You, I mean, that's basically what we got with this guy, right? He's never happy on the sidelines. Hurts isn't happy on the sidelines anymore. There's no team chemistry on the sidelines. Hurts is very much an introvert. Yeah. On the microphone and when he's on the bench. Now, does that go over into the huddle, too? I don't know. Wouldn't you think you see guys banding together on the sidelines? Hey, like, Br- come on, Brady man. Brady was always pumping up yeah. his offensive line. Yeah. And and Mahomes, that. same thing. Yeah. Right? There's going down there, yeah. Some type it's, of bonding effort going on on the sidelines. You don't you, see any of that. You're looking for that guy to be your leader. He's your man out there. And they paid him all that money, which maybe they did a year too early and maybe should have spent some of that money for linebackers. But. Let's talk about what Gannon does there. So he goes for the onside kick, and everybody watching the game on TV is horrified that he would go for a 9% onside kick right there. I text out to a group of my people, this is strategically really smart. Just kind of speculating at that point that that's why he would do it, you know? Because I'm thinking, the guy's smart enough to know 9%. Uh, and then, sure enough, after the game, he comes out and says, explains it, that he just wanted to cut the court in half so the Eagles would score quicker, right? And, and the Eagles looked like they were definitely being satisfied with a field goal. Yeah, they really did, they man. Two horrible plays, and then on third and 20, he does a little screen pass, gets four yards. Right. So they, they that was their thing. And guess what? Arizona just went right down the field like they so, did so, all day. So Gannon saying his roll of the dice is that it won't be a touchdown. If it is, you get the ball back. But – uh, no, you trail wouldn't matter. But what he's saying is we will we'll hold no field goal, and then we haven't punted it yet today. So we'll get the ball back and go down and do what we got to do. All right, I just had a question here that you and I and Chad don't have much of a football background, but we could have played for the Cardinals yesterday because yeah. if we were punters, didn't have to get off the bench. <laughs> what a brilliant call. What a, you know, thinking out-of-the-box call by Gannon there. Not only did he out-coach them the whole game, okay? Uh, but, man, I'll tell you, they, the Eagles do look so plain vanilla with, on offense and defense, you know. Well, you know, when Blankenship a lot of games is your leading tackler, that sort of tells you something that they're, they're getting by the uh, defensive line and the linebackers. Switching up here a little bit. Uh, so, well, before we do, can the Eagles go on the road and, and, and win a road game? They're playing the likes of – New Orleans or Saints or Saints, Tampa, right? Come Tampa on. Bay, possibly, but right about now, I have no confidence in them, and I'm a big Eagles fan. And I think both of you guys are your whole lives. Would you would you rest the players against the Giants? I would. You know what they say about that week off and uh, late in the season uh, when you get that bye, right? It's a possibility, that's for sure. But now it's ironic too that the Commanders have no shot of beating Dallas or whatever. But those two games means something, yeah. and they're both played at the same time, son. Of course, the NFL is smart enough to do that. Yeah. yeah, I would roll the dice if I were the birds and say, we're going to use some advanced analytics here. We're saying, and the players agree, and their agents, that the week off is more beneficial than any other benefit we can derive 
from beating the Giants, assuming a 13-point favorite Dallas Cowboys will beat the Redskins. We're going to give everybody an extra week to repair the, you know, the achy knees and everything else. You know pro football bodies are like at the end of the season. Give them the extra week, and I, I'm betting that would be way more strategically beneficial. Yeah, you're probably right. I just don't know if that – well, I'll, you know – They would never do it because cause Dallas could lose. What's that mean? That and Sirianni's mentality is always – I mean, he was playing Hurts. Yeah, right. You know, when there was – we were losing against Dallas, yeah. and there was two minutes to go, and he was still playing Hurts down like 20 points. Yeah, he's a kid to so play he's, around. Right, he's going right. to always put his full full strength out there. Yeah. I'll give it it's a- an interesting point because we're basically saying we're probably not going to win the division anyway. All Dallas has to do is win. Right. So rest up, and let's go back healthy next week when we, you know, yeah. go into the playoffs and whoever we play. And it's a decent strategy because we're we're going to end up on the route anyway. You know whether we play week two, whomever, whether it's we're going to end all of roads can end up at San Fran, so we're going to end up being on the road. So why not just play it anyway? Rest up, yeah. and start on the road, and you know go beat the heck out of the Saints or Tampa. Well, I'm going to give you interesting strategy. Give you Thank an example. You. Yesterday, McDaniel, Chad agreed with the me. coach of Miami. Right, they're getting beat by thirty. Their best defensive player, Chubb. With three minutes to go, atrocious by thirty, atrocious. breaks his leg, atrocious. Wait, that happened in Miami. Wow, but they're but down thirty. 30. Down thirty. With wow, junk time. Three oh nine to go, and wow. Chubb breaks his leg. I know you can step off a curb, which they yeah. tell you in the whole but, type thing, but but shouldn't be after. Wow, that's bad. Yep, that's bad. Are we ready to talk college football? Just a little bit. I want to yeah, go can, one more yeah, pro yeah, thing sure. here that. Yeah. Uh, from my self-proclaimed wealth of worthless information. Right. That yesterday, with Swift, I'm getting you in here yeah, now, right. with here Swift going miles. over 1,000 yards, it's the second time in the Eagles' history where they've had back-to-back 1,000-yard rushers. And the year before was... Miles Sanders. See that? I knew he'd know that. There was no <laughs> doubt. I'd bet my life on that. The difference was Swift is at 5.0 yards per carry. Miles Sanders right. left But down. here's the difference, too. And the, the, the key to this question is... It's been done one other time where they were not the same runner. Right. So you might have had Shady yeah, McCoy with it. And that goes Wilbert's back. Wilbert's one of them. You ready for this for yeah. two, two names we know? Ricky Waters and Deuce Staley. Okay, yeah, it makes sense, though. Yeah. About that. Yeah. So all those other things. And neither one of those guys averaged 5.0 yards per carry like Miles Sanders did. Yep. Chad can look it up as we're. As I knew you'd like that. I highlighted that. Yeah. Here. Would you believe? Drop a bomb on me. Would you believe that Alabama would have 11 negative yardage plays? Bama that goes straight forward and knocks you over, goes another four yards, stomp it on your chest. Bama gets 11 plays for negative yardage? Well, I think Bama That speaks to a pretty active, hyper-Michigan defense. They were flying around. That, and I think Alabama usually has, how can I say, a headier quarterback than they have. He's a great athlete, that young man, but he's not the typical Alabama quarterback, I don't believe. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But, you know, hats off to him. If you remember the third week of the season after the Texas loss, and they were playing that Florida team, and it was 3-3 at halftime. And I was texting out the guys in the the football, baseball club that were in. I I had him as my lock of the year. After the Texas loss, I took Bama as my lock of the year. And I'm saying – not only does this team stink, don't look for this team, you know, in, in the Final Four. And, of course, 
that Saban magic coaching that makes everybody better. And in the fourth and 26 at Auburn, of course. But, you know, it wasn't supposed to be their year. Certainly after the Texas loss in week three, you'd say not this year. So to get there, it's, it's a certainly something you'd recognize that great coaching job uh, again at Bama to get there. And if they stop Michigan fourth and two, they win the game. And uh, the fourth and two call, you have to go, right? It, you yeah. got to go. You got to go there. Fourth and two. I thought the game announcers were, were terrible. Oh, I would punt here. You th- you're midfield. You're fourth and two. It's Bama. You're going to give them the ball back and let somebody run for 11 years? I mean, you got to go there and be aggressive, you know? Uh, now, on that final play, I don't know if you've seen the morning news yet explanation of the, the final play. What, before I uh, distill what I've heard, what happened, what was your reaction to the final play? It surprised me a little bit, but it, it certainly worked out with no problem. Well, I'm, I'm, we're out where Bama was stopped, I'm talking about. Oh, the quarter, well, ba- the I quarterback, thought you meant the quarterback run into the pile, so to speak. Yeah, that made no sense at all. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. Um, especially coming off the back-to-back timeouts where both teams saw the other's formation. Right. For them to go QB sneak at that or QB draw or something, I just okay. didn't understand so this that is, play. This is what happens. This is the more recent update to that. So that play is not designed to do what you saw. All right? That's not the play Tommy Reese called. Uh, he's getting criticized by his own coach for it. If you take a look at the quarterback and you ha- you talk about – in you know high level college pros how things happen in an instant right what the quarterback needs there is a chest high snap and the rpo starts and then he reads what the middle linebacker is doing who did by the way vacate to go cover the back out of the backfield all of that is in play the second the ball was down at his ankles he picks it up he locks out doesn't look, doesn't assess, doesn't read. The, the analyst said he still would have had time to have two bona fide options because, bat, because they were not, Michigan was not rotated over to the right. So I saw an aerial view. You had one on one blocking. So you have an unbelievable chance. I think they graded it out as 85% success rate probability on that play. If the snap is chest high, he's off to his left. Once the snap was at his shoelaces, he panics. Little panic set in. Goes straight. And then gets tripped by the guard. So if you look at the replay and slow it down, the right guard pulls back the block and puts his his, uh, left leg out and trips the quarterback. So he's tripped before he gets tackled. He's down anyway. Uh, Just a disaster. It said online it was an RPO, but because of the snap. Yep. The quarterback just tried to, you know, make make something out of nothing. Uh, quick decision, and it just, yeah, it didn't work out. So b- bad snap really cost them. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't that? mean it would convert, but it cost them the play they were looking to run. Yeah, how about the little things in sports that mean the difference, right, bud? Oh, you don't have to how tell me. It? I had Dallas to win this weekend yep. we uh, by seven. Here we go. And C.D. Lamb fumbled in the end zone. Right. Oh, just yeah. A weird rule, but, you know, you fumbled one yard back, no big deal. One yard worse, turnover it's, on the and twenty yard difference. It's a death certificate. It's wow. a, de- a death but, certificate. Yeah, Bama low snap, game over. Bama high snap, maybe there's a chance. The little things Isn't you have to do right to win. 
Yep. So kids, you pay do little it, things right to win. Pay attention to detail, kids. And when your dad or mom tell you to work on your communication skills as a young, uh, young, young adult, look at what happened in the Detroit game. The referee makes an assumption that the same thing is going to happen, and he's more interested in getting to Dallas real quick to make the announcement. Does it get the player right? So communication skills are everything, and attention to detail. Look at the end of the Michigan-Alabama game. If the snap is chest high, if you look at the aerial view, it looks like they can't block Alabama. It looks like they're absolutely a touchdown. I mean, Michigan just does not have they're, – they're expecting that draw, and they're playing middle. It doesn't look like they can handle the RPO to the left. It really doesn't. Attention to details, unbelievable the impact on the final closing result, man. You know, my old Bray going around long before Chad was born, the old Oakland Raiders with the snake Kenny Stabler, yeah. and Dave Casper in, and he was on like the two or whatever and purposely fumbled into the end zone, and that's why rules yeah. like that. Yeah, that's the, I'm right. I, I had the game. I had the game when that happened. I had the game. Let's shift over a little bit. Uh, Texas uh, listeners – uh, this is another play like Gannon did the onside kick, strategically uh, very, very uh, innovative. Hear this out. So now Texas has a chance. They have two scores. They're down by nine. Once you get within reasonable distance of your field goal kicker, you must. There's no other body of evidence out there. Don't text me. Oh, what about this? Oh, if you throw a 50-yard pass here at the two-yard line, yes, what I'm about to say is, is not true. Null and void, okay? When you're working the ball down the field and you're going to go inside two minutes and you don't have the full complement of timeouts, the second you get within field goal distance, you kick. Just ask Tom Landry and Shula that did – I'm 70 years old. I watched this happen 100 times. With those two coaches, and I used to say to my dad before he passed away, gee, dad, and he said, no, bud, you can control aspects of the clock with the ball, but you're at their mercy when you're, you're bleeding the clock down. If you don't have enough time, you don't have time. That's what my dad was saying. If you don't have time to win, you can't win, okay? Now, as it worked out for Texas, everything happened right. There was a player injury which stops the clock, and then they interfere with the punt reception, 15 more yards, then another penalty, and all of a sudden, Texas has three cracks on the 22-yard line. You, it, storybook, last minute. But what they should have done, they should have kicked the field goal from 40 yards instantly. Now they've got two timeouts. Now it's like a minute 40, and now you kick off. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You're saying now they would still lose 40 seconds. Hear me out. Stop the clock. Everything's predicated on stopping the other team. Otherwise, all bets are off. Stop the clock. Stop the clock. And, yeah, let the 40 seconds run. But look where you're getting the punt now. Now you're going to get a punt about midfield with 40-something seconds left. You're in business to go win the game. You still have to make a lot of good plays, but you have a chance. The way it should have played out, by the way Texas operated that strategically, is that the third play of uh, for uh, help me out here for Washington should have bled the clock down to 14 seconds. They punt here. You start running the uh, the Stanford band play, which you know has a less than one percent chance. You know, uh, but they got these crazy you know in ordinary breaks. Um, 
that's what you do. You kick the field goal the second you're within distance and then preserve that time with your timeouts and strategically use the ball down in distance to your advantage to do it. You still need a lot of things to go right. But the way they ran it, they couldn't win the game unless the other team cooperated and it interfered with you, got an injury to stop. The and that's kind of a weird rule, too. If you have the injury there, they don't get the guy off the field, make sure he's okay, and then restart the clock because that takes away the fakery, right? So otherwise everybody would be faking injury that. Yeah, so they, yeah. they okay. So if you have an injury, bang, we stop the clock and that's it. And they got the guy's hurt. Thing. It really hurts his team. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, how would you call the fumble into the end zone? How would you modify? How would you amend that rule? Um, We're talking about yeah, Dallas, yeah, Dallas, Detroit. I would say I, I don't think it should be a turnover on downs, like an automatic turnover. I think maybe it should be maybe a 10-yard loss. So if I fumble, if, say, second down, second and goal, I fumble into the end zone, maybe I'm now 10 yards back from that spot. Um, but now I'm, like, I'm unsure about the history of the intentional fumble. Yeah. So if anything was, I guess, viewed intentionally in the eyes of the referee, then I think it should be a turnover. Right. right. I don't know why you'd want to intentionally fumble in the end zone if you're going back 10 yards anymore. But if you swat it or something into the end zone, I guess, like that that's already a rule. You can't yeah. do that. But I would say a ten yard penalty. Still continuation of the next down. So it's second, it's now third. If it's fourth, then it's a turnover. But any I think instead of a turnover automatic, it should be ten yard penalty. Maybe fifteen yards. I would make but, it a touchback, but retain possession. Go back to the twenty. And then and increase the down to yeah, the next, exactly, next down. Exactly. I, I, so you fumble through the end zone and went out the sideline. Okay, nobody can recover that ball. Now it's a touchback. You're going back to the 20-yard line, but you don't lose possession. What they're saying is the the ball's out of the end zone to the side. You've lost possession. The other team's got it, and they're in pretty good shape. Well, what I think it means is officials don't have to make any decision. Did he do it on purpose or or not? So it takes that right out of play, and that otherwise – that's you know you really boy you know what else is damn punitive let's think of all sports is does baseball have a really punitive rule so think think about all sports i'll give you one when you have intentional grounding okay and it's like you're just outside the quarterback you know playing their box it's the penalty from there and lost it down. There's no redo with the down, man. You get marched back from where it took place, and you lose the down, too. Intentional grounding is a drive ender. That's but, it. But I think Punch. that's why they make that so severe, because otherwise you'd have just yeah, guys yeah, yeah. throwing all over the place. Yeah, how about basketball? Does basketball have a rule that needs to be abridged, amended? No, not that I know of. Uh, they've changed so many rules, especially yeah. back through the Chamberlain days at the present. But yeah. They are so good, and, and uh, I love people that say there's no defense in the NBA. Well, those guys are hitting 28 and 30 footers like they used to hit 15 footers. Yeah. They're so what? talented. I used to be be really hyped up on looking for the 40% three-point shooters. Now I'm seeing all of them are 40% oh, yeah. three-point shooters. And the kid Halliburton, he's like – 45, yeah, you see 45. 45 so. and goes three games with, and he had 23 rebounds one game. 
And no turnovers. And how about my Villanova guards? We got like seven Villanova guards all doing good in the NBA. That's well, unbelievable. There's, there's 10 D, Villanova D, players D, in the NBA. DiVincenzo, he, he didn't look like he could, could last for a cup of coffee in the NBA. Yep. Now starts. The big ragu now had starts. that big game and, and went pro, and he's made Boy, a lot of if money. That's not unbelievable accolade for Jay Wright that he's got these kids in the NBA taught, trained so well at Nova that they become star players in the NBA. Brunson and and a lot Lowry of a lot of them with Jay Wright, know. he never got that six eleven guy that's going to be one and done. So outside of Apalu, whatever his name was, and like eight ten years ago, they haven't had a rim protector. But they they just treat their guards, and and the greatest example to me is Jalen Brunson. He's like six one. He looks about five nine out there because everybody else is so big. But I mean, he got a, a million, a hundred million, or hundred and ten million to go to the Knicks, and it just was ironic that his father was hired as an assistant coach right before that. But he's proven to be the leader of the Knicks, and at six one, he can get in that lane and fade back, and he doesn't get his shot shoved hardly at all. He is just such a heady player, and that four year education at Villanova has really proved out to him, and he, he's he's a dynamite player. Switching gears back here a little bit. Did you happen to see the Rutgers Miami uh, pinstripe bowl game? Some of it. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, Coach uh, Piano player there. What's his last name? Piano. Acting like he just beat the uh, yeah. the Green Bay Packers in the ninth. Yeah. Is too funny. You know, He's uh, been robbing New Jersey yeah, for years. Yeah. He really has been. When he was New there Jersey. before, he was the highest paid person in New Jersey. He had that job. Uh, he, he had a house given to him. He had a radio he show. He says oh. after the game, "This <laughs> is why kids want to come to Rutgers <laughs> to be in this game here." Miami was pathetic. I, Chad, you, I know Chad did watch this. Mm, I did not. Did you see the end of the game? Did you watch that? The guy that sounds like a nice champagne. What's his name? Crystal Ball. What's the Miami's coach's name? Uh, whatever. This human disaster, Al. This is what he did, Bud. Bud, you're not going to believe this, but you're my witness. We're sworn here. Bud, he trailed by two touchdowns, had a full complement of timeouts, and let it run inside a minute 30. Did he not, hmm. coach? Did not use. That's interesting. Did not use a timeout. Yeah. That doesn't seem like good strategy. And the announcers are saying he's no for saying hoarding his timeouts. Mario, Coach, why would yeah. you want to hoard your timeouts? There's only a minute forty. You can't, you can't you carry can't, him into next season. You can't <laughs> score. So guess what, what he does? The game's over. They go for the onside. Okay, it's a seven point game. Who do you think's walking off the field waving to people with two timeouts? Wow. And he's he's going to go to Route 57 for dinner. He's going to call those was, timeouts. Over he's the going to the ball for dinner in <laughs> yeah. Manhattan. Mario Cristobal. He's going to like walk that, in. Man. The bartender's going to say, Coach, can I have one of those two timeouts? Coach, how did you end the game with two timeouts in your pocket? I was outraged. Can I buy one of them? Can I you? buy one back? <laughs> <laughs> I think Coach thinks he's going to my buddy Mike. You know, it, I get it. His daughter, his daughter's the top twirler on the on the band. You know, the whole thing. She's top gun. She's unbelievable. And hats off to her. She's worked hard. Both his daughters. So you know, she goes to Miami. So obviously, Mike is. And I bust them all the time. But, but Mike, it doesn't matter what picks they got. Well, who's in the portal for Miami? If this guy's this bad, you're never going to win with this guy. He is absolutely. And they got a picture of him on the sideline, and he's looking up at the scoreboard, 
What are you looking at, Coach? You know the down and distance. You know the time in the game. And maybe you don't know. You got three timeouts. And it's now a minute 40. And you haven't used one yet. You try by 14. Well, you know, that you, can't happen. That can't happen in D1 football, bud. Yeah, you no, it can't happen. It really can't. You mentioned about a lock of the year. Oh, How big a lock was, was Georgia over Florida yeah, it State? It was. Now, it if was. you know ahead of time, so that's why this portal thing has yep. to be put off until all the football yeah. is done playing. It has yeah, to. It does. It does. It has and to wait. And if you got inside information for that, and how how big a thing does Georgia have when they were number one all year, they get yep. beat yep. Yep. and yep. drop yep. to six. You think they didn't want to show the committee that we should have been yep. in that top four? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 66-3. Florida, Florida State's got 12 guys, and the line didn't go up as high as it should have. I can tell you, I wasn't one of them because I don't bet anymore. been about seven years. But – for those of you that put real money on Georgia, because you knew to Al's point they had a purpose. There was a civil war. They had a purpose behind this game. And you knew Florida State was missing everybody on defense. What was the line there? 16 and a half or something? 23 it went up well, to it. Still. Still. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, they, they can't catch up to it. Now the game I did use in our little pool between the guys, I locked it the month, Oregon, Oregon. minus 16 and a half. A little bit like the Georgia game model, right? Uh, you knew that that fraud 12 and 0 team couldn't stick with them, yet it was 7 nothing. You thought, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, Kabul, Oregon's fun to watch, especially when you're Liberty. Playing. Liberty, okay? <laughs> so I did use Oregon, but that's about the only thing I've done right all year long in our, <laughs> in our little contest here. Well, like, better late than never. <laughs> if I told you that Mookie Betts, we're just hopping along all sports here, and Bryce Harper had the exact same stats and had been in baseball the exact same amount of time. Would you be shocked at that? I and they be, do. I'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah they're identical. That's everything. Amazing, yeah. Everything. I mean, I, actually, uh, some categories were Harper's ahead of bets, yeah. but they're even. That balances out. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I would, you name brand. And two different Mookie type Betts. of Two entirely different type of players. Bryce Harper. I'll take Mookie Betts. Guess what? Harper's numbers are better in, in some of the areas, you know? That's just absolutely crazy. And during my days off of research, <laughs> I found this out. But I don't know. Uh, oh, by the way, in five years of the Phillies, Pete Rose made more money than he did the rest of his career, 19 years with other teams. How about that little tidbit? And he probably owns a, the percentage of blowing the most money that he ever <laughs> made, too. <laughs> How much money in his career did Pete Rose make? It is twenty something year career. Just a while shoot from the hip. Twenty years. Twenty year career. And it wasn't that long ago. He's not somebody stopped playing in the sixties now. It was seventies, eighties? The eighties. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll say yeah. fifteen million dollars. I was gonna say like thirty. Sight unseat, if somebody had asked me this question, I'd have said between twenty five and thirty. Seven mil. Seven wow. mil. Wow. It really was low back then. Only crazy-minded Chuck can see that and take it, as I do, to the fifth dimension. So when I saw that aggregate, and I know he's been on base more than anybody else, I had to take his 42.56 hits and add it to the walks, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Pete Rose is on base 6,000 times divided by 7 million divided so by 6. going to be a good number. What's the number? Twelve hundred dollars. 
Pertani. Every time he's on base. Wow. Yeah. Compare that to like a Bryce Harper, Harper last year. Harper, yeah. 236,000. 1,200 versus 236,000. 236, wow. How about that scale? You Talk what about scale? how much the MLB, really all sports have changed. If you beat changed. that scale, you text me at 609-828. What's my phone number? I forget. 5569. Five, five, all right. How about that That's scale? Stat of the year for That's sure. Stat of the year. That's I got one better. We don't know the ballpark. You may, Coach Al May, when Rose was a kid, the minors, he only played three years. He batted 380 each year. In 1961 and 1962, he did any homers. He had three homers, a bunch of doubles. How many triples did Pete Rose hit in 1961 and 62 in the minors? Got to make sure you stipulate in the minors. How many triples? 13, 13 triples in two years. Uh-huh. I'll go crazy. 25. 50. Wow. wow. No. Charlie Hustle, right? Somebody yeah. Had and he only slid head first in 49. But right. ow, yeah, ow, yeah. Ow. It's got to speak to a ballpark quirk to mention, yeah. right? Yeah, What's he playing in? An apple grove? I mean, you got to look up the ballpark. What, I don't know yet. Can you find it while we're talking? I could try. Pete, Cincinnati's minor league affiliate uh, ballpark. What year was it? Maybe 61, 62. Maybe Bo knows this. We got to get Bo on next week. And he'll probably say, oh, yeah, they had. Uh, they had uh, what uh, coconut trees that were 500 feet away, and there was a chain link fence in front of it. And Rose used to hustle, get all. You can't have 50 triples in baseball in back-to-back years, and and then he does have triples in the in the majors too, like 11, but not 50. You don't see 50 triples in baseball. It's not possible unless there's a tremendous quirk in the in the ballpark. Although I could not find that quirk applicable to other players other than Rose. That kind of neutralized itself out. You see friends, family, loved ones. This is what Chuck does with five days off. (laughs) And here's another one for you with Pete Rose. I won a thing on a morning show probably 15, 20 years ago. They were talking about interaction between any two Philadelphia athletes. I said, well... Pete Rose hit one grand slam. His career was off Dallas Green and Dallas Green, and then they argued about it for years and years. So, And then you went back to money. I was, saw something a w- few weeks back when Joe Namath, when, you know, when the Jets won the late 60s, won the Super Bowl. Namath contract was 400000 he signed for, the largest in sports. Yeah. In the, well, the so... Bat- Looks like it was Al Lopez Field. Sounds familiar. Left was 340, which isn't crazy. No. Right was 342. 342, 342, and center was 410. Nothing crazy. Must have been some weird what bricks on that wall hell? out there where the ball would carry them all over the place. That does not support my thesis. No, you're whatsoever. thinking it's going to be oh, deep in right line center. 550. Yeah. It was a yellow concrete facility termed a squatty dinosaur by a local newspaper. <laughs> that's good research, bud. Used by the Tampa Tarpons. Wow, that's fantastic, bud. Good catch, my man. Wow. But um, I now got to say to Bo, how did, how did Rose have 50 triples in two years in, in the minors? And Bo is going to type back one word. Hustle. 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 Yep. You know he came out of box flying every single every time. time. When nobody else was down yep. there. Right? But still, Al... Oh, yeah. It's They're professional kids trying to move up. They just don't let you have third base. Well, if they give you the 50, or 50 as an over and under, <laughs> 99.9% of people are going to definitely go under. And, yes, fans, I did check my math. I, did, I always doubled down on my stats. It's unbelievable. 
That's got to be time, bud. That's all. It's time. Is it time? Rant, rave, pass. Happy New Year. What do you got, Coach? Well, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just so tired of Nick with his standard answers I keep at between uh, this and that. we got to play better. Andy Reid all over again. He has lost the clubhouse, I believe. And uh, I don't know about his longevity factor where you wouldn't be saying that a little while ago. I hear you on that 100%. My haven't heard anything from Howie or Laurie on this no, either. No, but you know what's going to save his ass when you go playoff, Super Bowl, playoffs three years in a row. That the, you don't, don't want to see those guys. But off Seti Dance, what's going on in the clubhouse? And that's what was happening with Chip Kelly. The clubhouse was just total chaos. And Laurie likes harmony. Laurie likes all players to attend the holiday party. And do you remember when Chip Kelly bitch slapped him? And opted out a holiday party. I bet you can't name where it was. It's a good one. Second Street. You know, I don't know. Bookbinders. Like old original bookbinders. Yeah. Lori had yeah. the whole second floor and everything. And Chip Kelly tells him he's not going to be there. And Lori was apoplectic and made the decision that night. That comes from a very reliable source. Okay. And, and I uh, can't say who, can I? No. <laughs> you, you know who he is, right? You know, good looking kid, right? Dad was a provident Eagles guy. Yeah, that guy. Uh, I got some inside stories from him that I can't share. I'd love to tell how it all ended with the Eagles. Anyway, can't do. Uh, I just think the NFL, uh, you are disgraceful in many ways how you operate as Monopoly. Of course, you are Monopoly. There's no other NFL. But, I mean, not just from a cost structure, but to allow that Detroit uh, robbery theory to take place. You know what you do there? You stop the game. You intervene. And allow it to go to New York. Stop with this. It's not reviewable bullshit, part of my language. Keep the show G-rated, right, Coach? That is utter nonsense. Get the gosh darn call right. This is deciding not just home field. How about the revenue for Detroit? How about the home fans that have waited so long? 30 years. Okay? Get the damn call right. So you call... The commissioner, you called New York, you put him on a conference call, let Chad facilitate that. He's very good at combining multiple people through the Grimley call box. And you say, what happened here? And then the rest report that they got the guy wrong. And then it, it stands. But here's the problem with that. Once the refs declared the wrong guy, then you can't allow it because the defense to that from Dallas is, wait a minute, you put us in jeopardy by us, by you saying that, we didn't cover him, right? Does that make sense, Chad? Yeah, yeah. I think so. So you can't do it that way because you deceived the defense by the refs' call. So you couldn't unwind it then. Well, like I said, the That's ref was wrong right, right away saying there's two fouls on the play. And the, and the number 70 playing at the guard automatically right, right. cannot be eligible. So yeah, he didn't let you know that then. And there's no need that, you, like you said, whether it took five or ten minutes, it has such ramifications as a, how it comes out, not only right. to the betting world, but the, the Lions with the playoffs, the whole thing. Yep. Then, then, then you know what you do then? You just overrule the rule. That's all you do. You just say, the coach explained it to the rest before the game. The ref got it wrong. The two-point stands. Tough darts, Dallas. If it's got to be tough darts, somebody in that situation, all things being equal, okay, tough darts, 
Dallas, Detroit's got the two-point conversion. Oh, you hate to think, too, that maybe Dallas got a little bit of a break there. Oh, on, on the on the installation Jimmy night Johnson, of Jimmy Johnson. Jerry like Jones that, right? started together at, at, what was it, Arkansas, had that, that, the whole thing. Chad, you're batting third, a rare spot for you. I would say rent rave. I would go with rant on Nick Sirianni. I think he's lost the team. I don't think the players respect him like they should. I'm not saying they just like not like they should or did. I think that he is too passionate for his team. I don't think he has the composure he needs to run an NFL team. And uh, I think we're seeing that now. Arguments on the sidelines. Team players seem upset. Not not happy with him. I'm not happy with something. And the only thing I can think of is being not, not happy with the coach. So just uh, disappointing. This seems like we're not making any adjustments in his third year now. It's the same, like, six plays. It seems like we run every time. How many times are we going to run that screen? And now we got, what, Devontae Smith heard on it last weekend, I believe. I mean, yeah. How many times are we going to run this screen? That doesn't work. Yeah, you and know the QB it, sneak with uh, yeah. where – uh, Hertz runs four yards to the right. I mean, how many times are we going to do these? Well, that's like ninety-eight percent that I will defend. And, that and you don't want a guy one hundred and seventy-eight pounds as the guy blocking it on that screen. No, I'm not talking about the push, Tush. I'm talking about oh, I'm the sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. the Syria. Uh, when when Jalen Hurts on back-to-back plays ran four yards to those who was right and got no, nowhere yeah, this weekend. Fine. Do any one um, of you guys? Well, two of you. Do either one of you guys think? Hurts his yards per carry. Chad can bring it up if he's quicker. I know it's down. I know his high was like seven, eight, maybe eight yards per carry. Russian we're talking about. And I know he's at a statistical low this year. And we know he had the knee brace, stuff like that. But do either one of you guys think that that tush-push may be just part of the reason Hurts has a reluctancy to want to run? That oh, he I don't kind doubt of it. re-injured himself on that dig-in push and all that humanity, and somebody's in back of him pushing the middle of his back? Well, How does that feel when, you're, when your torso doesn't want to go forward, but a 360-pound mulata is in back of you driving his pads into your spine to move you forward? How, what's that feel like? You know? well, I think we yeah, mentioned probably it doesn't feel good. a couple of weeks ago, and you don't want your main man at the bottom of a pile. No. Because like, a lot of things go yeah. on down there that cannot be seen by any camera. Do the stats back me up on Hertz? The stats show that Hertz yards per carry is 11 this year, which is the lowest of his career. Um, so what else would you be looking for? 11? Yeah, that's, oh, no, that's sorry, yards. High, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's yeah, what am I saying? That's yeah, yeah. yards gained per completion. Per completion. Uh should be seven, six. I'm in the wrong section. I'm in passing by accident. Yeah, right below it's rushing. Thinking. Yeah, right below. It's okay. Right below it's rushing. And uh, and you'll see something that'll be like seven. Rushing, yeah. This is going to make sense now. Yeah. Okay, yards per attempt, 3.9 versus careers, 4.8. No, that's not it either. So you're looking per at attempt. rushing yards. Yeah, rushing you're yards at- per attempt. Rushing yeah. yards per attempt for Jalen Hurts, no, 3.9. He's not, no, he's not three. No, he's higher than that. No, he's like a running uh, back. No, he's 3.9. It's all them tush push, Chucks. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And last year he was 4.6. Before that he was 5.6. And he has 600 th- yards rushing this year on 155 attempts. Okay. And I mean, he, all those tush pushers are going to destroy that. You're that right. You're right. You're right. Plus, you're right. when he's, take, he's taken off around the end sometimes for five-yard yeah. losses too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. back in 2021 when he had a – 
140 attempts, so 15 less attempts. His average was 5.6. Yeah, you're he right. had 800 yards almost. Yeah, uh, 200 more yards. All right, so on he's 15 th- less he's, attempts. Indeed, he's 3.9 because of the number of attempts on that. Yeah, I got it. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, he averaged four six before that, five six before that. Uh, his total yards are down, not impacted by the tush push. Um, it's six oh one versus you know eight hundred. Yeah, so he's not the threat. They do keep spies into, and there's no doubt that he's hurting. He's been hurting all year, and that's probably a big factor of the offense. I mean, there's, you know. And I was just thinking another thing too. They are. So, how can you say in their offense that he's not taking many snaps where he's coming back and putting the ball in the halfbacks right. and creating any kind of option where when you know he's back there in the shotgun, it's a 95% pass play. Next time you hand off, take the mic with you. Yeah. Okay. How they get a hold of us? Uh, as always, speaking of sportspod.com. Uh, Chuck's number six zero nine eight two eight five five six nine. Any of the Instagram, social media, TikToks, all that stuff. Speaking of sports or Twitter, probably where we're most active is on Twitter. That's where you'll find us. And I guess uh, unofficially, welcome to the season three. I guess of speaking of sports, now that it's twenty twenty four. Yeah, we're past a hundred shows and uh, loving it. It's a lot of fun. Nice to have an audience. Nice to have a voice. We look forward to it. Happy New Year. Hope all your wishes come true and. Uh, Great health in this year, and uh, hey, man, live your dreams. Dream it first, put a good song on, that creates the dreams, and then live your dreams, man. It works out. And folks, for all our negativity with the Eagles, one bright spot let's leave on that Hurts has set a franchise record, 36, 21 passing, a 15 rushing, total TDs in a season. So there's a positive if you want to take one. I don't see any positivity. I don't either, but it sounds good. I do love you. (laughs) That's a wrap. We'll be back next Monday. Bowl game. Oh, nope. There's a bowl game Monday night, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. The championship game's Monday night. Next Monday? Okay. So that probably puts us at a Tuesday. So we can include the the, the, uh, 40 slip. (laughs) Washington. The Washington. Game. Who do you like in that game? Let's go. Let's go on record here. I've been a fan of Washington. I'm sort of like rooting for them, you know, okay. because I'm not a big hardball fan. I right. think something like that. But uh, on this podcast, week three of football, I predicted if you guys remember that Michigan would win the national championship. I got reminded of that over the weekend. A couple people were upset that I gave the bet out last night on Bama. Then that is that is contradictory. You know why I did that? I didn't expect Bama to be in the Final Four this year, as I said earlier. Once they made it, Saban has a month to coach, and it looked like Bama was the right pick. Although Michigan statistically box score won, you know, uh, by a lot. They took it to Bama, and the eleven negative plays and all that stuff. You know, proof in the pudding. Uh, but I do like Washington to upset. Uh, Michigan, I do. Even though I said I thought Michigan was going to win a national championship way early, I want to go with Washington. I you give that kid time to throw, he'll pick you apart. You know what? I, I want to stick with my guns. If I said it week three, week four, like Michigan, that was after they beat OSU, then I want to stick with it. Good, bud. Um, I'm rooting for Washington, but I think Michigan's going to yeah, win. Yeah, I'm Michigan, too. I'm Michigan. It's Let's time. just hope for a really a good game. With that quarterback for Washington, it should be in every series, man. Oh, they are Phoenix, elite. Phoenix, he is fun. He's tough. Yeah, he's that, got a great really arm. Good. 
That's a wrap. We'll see you next Tuesday, same time, same place. Don't forget, if it's cash flow, if it's factoring, if it's debt restructuring, who do you call, Al? Well, you called Mr. Chuck Grimley <laughs> from Grimley Financial. Would we'll be get, my guess. We'll get you worked out. Peace. Have a great week.